Podcast, a Bristol Rovers fans podcast. Hello, Gassers, and welcome to the build-up episode for the Argyle game on Saturday down in Devon. I'm pleased to say I'm joined by Nick from Argyle Life. Welcome, Nick. Hi there. How are you? Yeah, all good. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday night, so we've got a few few days before uh, before the game. Um, and before we get into the into the football. Uh, I just wanted to ask you about the redevelopment of the Mayflower stand that has been, well, derelict for as long as I can remember. Um, it seems like there's there's life and stuff happening with it. Yeah, um, so I'm not sure about how much you know about the history of uh, Home Park Stadium itself, but um, so the Horseshoe, the other three stands were redeveloped back in 2001. I'm, I'm pretty certain it's 2001. Um, I think the idea was that the Mayflower is going to be done quite shortly after. But for financial reasons, it never really happened. Um, and then when we got promoted into the championship, that's when uh, the ticking time clock started. Because until you're promoted to the championship, you're allowed to have standing in the uh, you're all you're allowed standing. But after three seasons in, in the championship, you're not allowed it anymore. So after that third season, we put seats in and everyone sat down. But that was a, quite an expensive cost, and I think the club made a net loss on having the seats there. And then when we were relegated back into League One and went into administration, there was nowhere near enough support to justify even considering putting the seating in. Uh, only back in the 16-17 season, we had temporary seats in. That was for the Liverpool FA Cup tie on TV. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's, it's been unused since 2010-2011, uh, I think. I think it's that season, it might have been the year before. Um so, obviously, James Brent came in. He tried to redevelop it a few times. He couldn't get it over the line. Then we had a... He's now our new chairman, Simon Hallett, but he put the money in while he was, I think, technically vice chair. Um, he, yeah, he donated his... Well, he didn't donate. He's loaning us the money uh, to build the stadium, a quite considerable sum. I think, it's, I think it might sound around $8 million at this point, if I remember correctly. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not actually sure what the current completion date is set for I, I, I might be wrong here I'm sure it's been said by the club at some point what the target date is but I haven't actually seen oh here we go Okay, just I've been scrolling through just for the last few minutes here we go I think the aim is to have it ready by the start of next season I know I saw Derek Adams say a week or so about the wanted to host two pre-season friendlies at home park but I wasn't sure if that was with the complete stadium or just in a state where it's safe for people to play at the ground then I know we had no home um, pre-season fixtures last year because obviously the building works were going on and it wasn't safe. Um, so ideally, it's going to start of next season, but given it's a stadium, let's, I mean, look what's happened with White Hart Lane. Either you'd thought there'd be a reasonable chance that it might run a bit, a bit behind and maybe into the start of next season. The whole reason behind it at the moment is to get it ready for 2020, which is the anniversary, 400th anniversary of the Mayflower crossing, um, uh, crossing the Atlantic. Obviously, being the Pilgrims, they're trying to cash in on that as much as possible. Um, Plymouth's having a big celebration for it, so that's you know the target is 2020. So I'm sure they won't mind too much if it's a bit late in 2019, as long as it's there for 2020. Oh, that makes sense. Do you know what the capacity will be after once it's completed? Um, so there are two stages to come. Stage one is just doing the grandstand itself, and stage two would be filling in the corners. So for all those who've been to Home Park, you know there's you know you have the horseshoe, then you have the grandstand, and they're not joined together. And this won't join them together, but stage two would add. I think it adds the seats, which takes it to just over twenty thousand, or might be just under. I, th- 
I, I can actually, I can actually remember the numbers that were quoted um, because that was over a year back now, I think actually. But I think we're looking at around eighteen to nineteen thousand seated, which is less than what we used to have. But that was with standing, so obviously you could you could have higher attendance there with the seats in. It reduces the potential for the maximum, but it's still something that we're not even close to filling at this point, except for a rare occasions. So. Um, when we, should we get back into the championship, that's the first time we'd be likely to fill the uh, stadium after stage A. But it, it, the most important part about it is the conferencing and banqueting facilities. Because at the moment, the only real set of those uh, in, in most of the southwest, really, Sandy Park, Exeter, um, uh, or the Exeter Chiefs, that's the one, they make about a million, I think it's a million, or is it? Oh, I can't remember how much it is. It might be... I looked at their accounts a few months back, but I can't remember how much it is. They make millions of pounds off their conferencing and banqueting facilities, and Argyle are looking to cash in on that big time because there's no other stadium around that's really doing something like that. In Plymouth, there's no real other example. My dad, for example, he, he goes to lots of those. He always ends up having to go to Exeter and Sandy Park to do it. So the idea is, and they've really been launching that in the past few weeks um, to properly cash in on that, and I think that's... I think the hope would be to at least make an extra half million for the club. So the turnover would be somewhere around one to one and a half million for the profit, which could be invested in the club half million or so at least. And that, that would properly boost our budget. Yeah. It seems like any, any stadium redevelopment at the moment is, has to have conferencing. Yeah, we absolutely kind of missed the boat. I feel a little bit in Bristol with, well, with Rovers, sorry, with, um, with the failed, uh, attempt to move to the UE. Um, kind of down down the road over the other that side fell of the river. through earlier this season didn't it was it earlier this season uh it's fallen through quite a few times oh, uh, yeah it, it fell through last season and then there was like a a few weeks ago or a few months ago now sorry a statement put out that a another site had fallen through as well which might have been the ue again it was it's all it's all a bit weird but yeah um over the river they've done quite a good job of uh kind of you won't even up. say their name no <laughs> <laughs> no no absolutely not um yeah unfortunately they've they've cleaned up there um yeah yeah obviously as a rovers fan trying to get our stadium and obsessing over everyone else's especially in the southwest so thanks thanks for that um, it would be nice to visit rovers and not have to get drenched once you know actually have some kind of cover not get soaked you know, these small yeah. things are uh, well, this sort of thing that you really should have to not have to want, you know, not have to do as an away fan. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And I felt bad. I think it was Blackpool. Uh, they came down earlier in the season and um, they got beat 4 0. And then they got rained on as well. And I just I felt so bad for them. Then well, again, too- Fleetwood, who have a lovely, well, yeah, Fleetwood do actually have a very nice stadium. They've obviously spent a lot of mo- their owners, rather, have spent a lot of money on it. And yeah, apparently, I wasn't there this weekend, but apparently it provides no cover. Argyle fans soaked. I think everyone around the country was soaked, but absolutely drenched, apparently. Oh, ouch. Yeah. Especially for Argyle, because you have to travel so far just to get to anywhere. Yeah, imagine how imagine being sat on that, what was it? It must be five, six, seven hours driving home in, you know, soaked trousers, soaked everything. That yeah. can't have been comfortable. That can't no, have you been don't want nice. To to coach, do you? Just no, there. Yeah. no. That's Oh, poor people. Yeah, no, I wasn't there. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, looking at the form of the few, the both teams, um, 
Rovers have been on an incredible run of form um, in our last five, including uh, we played in the Czech trade, got to the semi-finals there. Uh, we've won three, drawn one. Drawn one, uh, lost one, aren't you? Yeah. Three in a row wins, aren't yeah. you? I yeah. also saw uh, earlier today on Twitter, it might have been Good Brand or something like that, some, I can't remember who it was, Argyle unbeaten at home in seven, Rovers unbeaten away in seven, Rovers, I think Argyle unbeaten in seven against Bristol Rovers at home, at home park. Yeah. So, three sevens. Yeah. It's going to be a clash of the Titans, for sure. Uh, Uh, I don't think it'll be a clash of the Titans. We're hardly talking about Luton versus Barnsley, is it? I mean, it'll be a clash, but I can't imagine it'll be particularly a good one. Oh, I don't know. Um, I went down uh, last season, I thought that was a cracking game. Um, Good atmosphere and all that. Mm. Um, Apart from the clashes at the end. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't nice that. It wasn't season. pretty at the end, really. No, absolutely but not. Good game. <sighs> definite penalty. <laughs> Two definite penalties. Um, I'm trying to remember which penalty it was because we had a couple of... Peterborough was... It was Songo. Songo elbowed in the face. I can't remember who by. Clark, possibly. It was a definite penalty. You can't elbow someone in the face from a corner. Otherwise, it wasn't an obstruction, but the strike in the face, you can't really argue with it. Um, well, I was two shoots to the wind at that point, so I couldn't tell you uh, <laughs> <laughs> any certainty what, what was really going on. Uh, looking at Argyle's form um, in the last five, 1-1, one, one, lost, uh, sorry, 1-2, lost two, drawn one, so pretty decent form. Um, We've also included that South, uh, South End, um, Sunderland and Luton in that run, Sunderland yeah. away, Luton home. Um, Really good point against Luton. Um, Derek Adams showing a bit. I'm not a fan of Derek Adams from a tactical standpoint. It's not he's not a particularly good tactician, and quite often, you know, I think he he gets found out for a fair few times tactically. But against Luton, he couldn't have got it more right. Absolutely spot on. Um, it was a blueprint as well for playing against a side using the diamond in the way Luton do. Because I mean, you're using the diamond right now, aren't you? Circle at the moment, yeah. So yeah. I didn't want to hear that at all. Uh, no, don't worry, he won't use it because that's only safe for teams who play with a proper diamond. We, you know, we're not too fussed about. Yeah. So okay, I'm not sure. If, so you remember when Conte won Premier League playing um, uh, his three four three formation? Was it three four three? Um. Anyhow, next season, clubs up and down the country decide they want to copy it, and the vast majority didn't have the players for it. And so they're just playing a formation that didn't suit them at all. Like the two that spring to mind at the start of last season were Peterborough and Northampton, both of whom tried to force their players to play it and were rubbish at it. And we're going through another phase again, this time with the 4-3-1-2 diamond. Tottenham are playing it, we United play it a fair bit, it's sifting down through the leagues, Luton are playing it well. So all of a sudden Peterborough are playing it, shock horror. Um, it just everyone's like, oh, it's working for them, therefore it must be the right formation. So you know, oh, we we won't play that style against uh, Rovers because it's it's like when we played Shrewsbury, they also play a diamond, but we didn't need to worry about it because they don't have the, the quality of midfield that the Luton have that really makes their diamond work in a virtually unstoppable way. But mm. like Rovers don't have that quality of midfielder who can 
boss and dominate possession. They don't have Andrew Shinney as well, who's just absolutely fantastic this year. Unstoppable. If there was any, he, he should be second in player of the year behind probably Sunderland's keeper, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head. Just, I can't remember him either. I'm trying to think of his name. He came down from SPL last year. Those two have been my two best players in the league this year on an individual level. Yeah, so, it'll be a 4-2-3-1 from Argyle. A 4-2-3-1, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. And who of that kind of personnel, who are the, the kind of ones to watch, do you think? Um, so the first thing to say is, and this is part of the reason why I think Derek Adams is not tactically astute enough, it's not our best formation and it doesn't bring anywhere near the best out of I think virtually all of the players in the system, um, which is really frustrating watching. You see, we beat last year by 4-3-2-1. We had David Fox in like a sort of, if you want to compare it to anything, in a PLO role, right? He would sit he'd sit the deepest, he'd string together passes, he'd be the person who knitted play together, but he's also pretty rubbish defensively. So we had two big, you know, strong, athletic and very defensively astute midfielders ahead of him in Sarsvich and Jamie Ness. Ness, who obviously scored twice against Rovers. Uh, Sarsvich didn't play last season in the 3-2 wings. He'd just been injured. So we had Moses McCarthy who stepped in for him, but Sarsvich and Ness, the two together, were just brilliant. Um, they bombed up and down the pitch, made you know, third-man runs into the box. But the keys to the system were Carey and Lemiris. Proper inside forwards, they would just play as a pair wherever the hell they liked. No, it was very hard to mark them because both of them would pop up on one wing, the other, one centre attack mid, one right attack mid, and so forth. Teams just couldn't mark them because they had no fixed position. And then we had Brian Taylor up front, who was like the, um, you know, he, if Fox was the person creating stuff at the base, he was the person creating stuff at the tip. Those two were like solid, you know, players in the formation and everything effectively revolved around them. So Taylor would hold his position, interchange with Carey and Lemiris and so forth. We don't do that anymore. Um, we now play Fox in that 4-2-3-1, where he's far more vulnerable defensively. We've had Jan Songo in defensive mid with him, who is not especially good defensive mid. He has some okay games, but in general, not always, but in general, we win in spite of him. Yeah, we win because an attacking player has created something rather than he's helped us dominate midfield and set that platform for success. Um, he's He went off injured last week, apparently. So he might not play, in which case Jamie Ness probably comes back in in defensive mid. He offers more control and possession and is a better fit alongside Fox. But it's still not a great formation because you know, Ness, we lose Ness going forward because he has to stay a bit deeper. But at the same time, Fox is still more of a liability without the protection. Now I've got Sarsvich in attacking mid where he ends up running backwards more than he would if he was playing in centre mid. And he is less effective defensively because he's more likely to be caught upfield. And that also means that because he's got a permanent position in attacking mid, Kerry and Lemiris can't drift into space in and around the box as easily because there's someone already there occupying it. It's not obviously quite like that. It's a bit more fluid than that. But Kerry and Lemiris are far more static now than they were last season. They still drift a bit, but they're more likely to pick a wing and stick with it, which makes it a lot easier to mark them and isolating them makes it makes their impact less. And then up top, we've got Ladapo in for Taylor. Ladapo is much worse with the long ball, so if Rob is getting control of possession, then you're probably not going to have much of a threat because 
we're going to be looking at long balls up to Ladapo, and he's getting better at winning edges, but he's no better actually guiding that ball into a teammate. Um, he's you know properly good and alive in the box. He's got much better movement than Taylor. He'll find he'll find a bit of space, and he can actually take someone on. But in terms of the actual team, would this is not the same team as last year. It's not our best team yet, and it's kind of a roll of the dice for not we play well. And then it's a roll of the dice after that whether or not we win because recently we played, you know, poorly. So like Coventry was they should have beaten us three nil and we came away with a two one win thanks to a couple of missed chances on their part and a couple of really good composed tidy finishes from Lemiris. Um you'll like to see Lemiris take on and beat a fair few people. Question is whether or not he can do that in a dangerous area, because those two are now picking up the balls in deeper, wider positions and having to carry it further. Uh, you look at that Fleetwood loss, and going into it, I predicted there would be a game we wouldn't win and we wouldn't score in, and we wouldn't really create any chances in, because because of the weather, we were, they were going to be picking that ball up in even deeper positions and having to run even further in horrible conditions, and that's basically what happened. Um, <laughs> it's interesting uh, saying about long balls, because um, we've got two quite Shorts backs uh, in Tony Craig and Tom Locker. Tom Locker is actually um, on Wales international duty, so oh, of course he is. Yeah, he's he's on the bench um, tonight. I think they're playing, or tomorrow he's on the bench. They are way. playing tonight. Uh, they're playing tonight. They are playing tonight. So um, there's a bit of a question mark about who's going to slide into into defence. So we're looking at potentially James Clark or potentially as an outside shot, Alf Kill. Alfie Kilgore, who's um, come back from loan, um, getting rave reviews. But um, kind of most of this season, when teams have played long ball against us, um, I'm thinking of um, Scunthorpe, especially. Mm. We've been brilliant here. Um, so that will play right into our wheelhouse, like, like long balls up to the striker, especially one kind of by the sounds of it quite isolated. Um, that will be brilliant. So if you could do that, that would be um <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. I'm, well, I'm um, sure Derek's wanted... listening to this. Hi, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I wanted to pick you up, actually, on um, on your comments about Derek Adams, because it seems like the last three seasons, um, or maybe just two, um, Argyle have started really, really slowly, been right down there, and then kind of pushed, pushed themselves out of trouble um, into the playoffs. Well, we're nowhere uh, near out of trouble. Well, you you get in there, I think. but Not really. Is... We lose on the weekend. There's a fair chance we drop all the way back down to a couple of points above the relegation zone. We beat Shrewsbury with a last-minute penalty. You take that penalty away, we'd be two, one point or two points above the relegation zone and, like, 19. It's it's scary how yeah. tight down there. Like, we've, like you said, um, even with our great form, we're two points off. In 13th, we're two points off relegation it's yeah it's absolutely mental um, um so what in terms of the turnaround but i mean there's there's one thing to really note about last season and that see adams got more criticism than he really deserved last season because we had a ridiculous number of injuries and we had a ridiculous number of suspended we had there was a stage where we had nearly as many red cards in september as we had points We'd have five players sent off by then. We, Sonny Bradley had punched someone in the face from a corner when we were losing 3-0 down. Sarsvich had headbutted uh, Paddy Madden literally two yards in front of the referee. They had like a scuffle for 
20 seconds, waited for the ref to get right into the perfect spot to see it, and then headbutted him. Um, Graham Carey, yeah, I can, see w- w- the way we're doing this as well. Um, we've got webcams on. I can see you just sat there laughing to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to do it. Um, <laughs> Graham Carey was unfairly sent off against MK John, so that was a bad challenge, but a yellow for me. Um, and then ooh, Ryan Edwards sent off against Blackpool uh, for tripping someone on a yellow card. I know there's another one in there somewhere. Um, you know, we started last the we actually started the season quite in terms of performances, and then as confidence dropped and as we lost players, um, we're also looking at Ryan Taylor injured after 20 minutes and 27 minutes in the season when he came back. I and mean, you can actually chart the progression of our season based on whether or not Ryan Taylor was fit or not. He came back against Gillingham and that stretched from Gillingham all the way through to Peterborough. That was our best part of the season. And when he got injured again, we went on to the performance levels dropped and partly because we had no actual backup striker, we ended up playing up front and then we played with a false nine because we had no one else to back it up. But, you know, our season was basically defined by Taylor's fitness effectively. And then Oscar Threlkeld in his second game of the season comes off the bench against Bristol City and 10, 15, 20 minutes later goes off injured for the next month, comes back, plays a half, goes off injured, he's injured for another month and a half. Um, we had seven goalkeepers. Uh, it, it, honestly, last season, the first half of the season was madness. We, we rotated so much, and a lot of our backup players were average league two quality at best, so we were putting out people who just weren't fit for purpose. Once the team came back to fitness, um, it, it, it improved automatically. Yeah, it straight away improved. But another one was Adams. And in my opinion, I don't think he devised this brilliant formation, the 4-3-2-1, which it, honestly, it was it was amazing. It, it You literally couldn't have picked out those six players and built formations any better for them. It was the best position for each of the players. It accentuated their strengths. It minimised their weaknesses. It was just it's madness that those six who are still in the team have yet to play a single minute together this season. That is utter madness. Um, but like, I think he stumbled on the formation by accident, personally. I- I'd love to believe he didn't, but that's genuinely what I think. Um, and that's not to say he did. Just like that, that's my opinion on it. Um, that formation is what resurrected the side. There's a reason we went on an amazing winning run. And the moment we lost people to injury and had to change formation and so forth, we dropped off again. I mean, honestly, had Sarsvic and Taylor been fit for another game or two, then we probably would have made the playoffs. We only missed out by three points in the end. We would have been destroyed in the playoffs, mind. We had no one left fit. We were like properly running on empty by the end of the season. <laughs> we would have made it and been humiliated on TV. Um, this season, this season, I must say, we, we, we got a bit lucky. We it sort of the the start of the turnaround was against Burton, drew one one. They missed two brilliant chances. We scored a chance the keeper should have saved. Basically, a goalkeeping error. Really hit it straight at him. He got a big hand to it and it went in. Picked up a point. Played Oxford. Got a touch lucky. Deflected shot from twenty yards. Keeper's obviously lying on the floor and it falls for a tap in from three yards after like five minutes. Perfect start. Twenty seven minutes in from an Oxford throw and they give the ball away. And one pass later, we scored 2-0. And then Lemiris, who's magically hit form, at the, you know, he'd just been reintroduced into the team for the first time since October, scores a brilliant goal on the counter to make it three. 
definitely deserved that win, but with elements of luck in it, including Marcus Brown skying over the bar from like four yards at 1-0 as they were on top in the game. Went to Southend, Southend played a criminally high line and Ladapo runs in behind a couple of times and eventually scores. They give the ball away. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what they're doing with that high line. It's madness. I mean, Ladapo is one of his key strengths. He's fast. What do you do? Yeah, that's right. We're going to step up and play as high as possible. Stupid. Great finish. Good run. But stupid defending. Got to say that. Um, And then you also look at the opening goal. That's the kind of free header he heads it straight into our into Sarsovic who scores a brilliant finish from a tough angle generally basically things just went for us in January chances that we hadn't been finishing started going in the back of the net teams started missing chances that otherwise had been scoring and out of no way put a bit of form together we go to Peterborough Peterborough controlling the game using the diamond they're not really creating too much but they were probably favourites to win something choke of half time Ivan Tony and Ryan Edwards have a little bit of a well, have a bit of a come together. Well, Tony rather tries to go towards Edwards. Lee Tomlin, who's just been booked for scything down Carey on the halfway line, gets in, he does a smart job, he breaks up the fight and then sticks his arm out and whacks Ryan Edwards in the face and gets himself sent off on the stroke of half time. Stupid red card. And we go on to boss the second half and scrap, you know, get a last minute winner from, from another excellent finish. What we've done really well is we've defended much better. The key really has been we brought in Brian Edwards and Canavan, and they've been very good. Um, Canavan, we had we can't really do it early in the season. Ryan Edwards was recovering from uh, his uh, he had cancer last year. He was diagnosed with cancer last year. He's got the all clear now. He started the season okay and sort of trended downwards. He had a month and a half ish break and came back and has looked really good since. Uh, Canavan has had a couple of injuries, but now they put together two of them been probably the most important factors for me in the revival. We've looked more solid in defence and combined with good finishing, we've been better. But by no means have we turned it around. You can sort of see that in some of the performances that are coming in. Nil-nil with Bradford and they should have won. We we had one shot from outside the box. I was by it. Uh, lost to Fleetwood. Didn't look like creating anything. They could have had possibly another. Uh, two, actually, one or two nil was fair. Um Lost to Wickham, created nothing, shot him outside the box, hit the bar, that was it. Um, I, I, this is still not a very good team. It's, it's a much better team, I should say. But compared to what it could be, it's not great. But at the same time, we just keep seeing to churning out results when we can. Well, not when we can. We've churned out results that otherwise we hadn't early in the season. It's, things have just fallen for us, but it was now catching up. And yeah, I, I really don't know if I predict to win this weekend. I'm I I got I think I got five correct score well, predictions league. I got five correct score predictions from last week's um, league one uh, league one scores entirely. I've no idea what I'm going to predict this weekend. I just not a clue. Not even an inkling. Ah, oh, just. Well, I mean, because Rovers are on good form, especially good away form. Argyle haven't been great, but they've they've been good at home. I mean, you can't argue with that. We we put Rochdale to the sword. Their defending was terrible. I mean, if you even then we missed a handful of chances. We could have been two or three. We should have been three up probably at half time. We then let them back in it with a horrible defensive error. And on the other end, Ethan Ebanks Landell falls over and deliberately handballs to stop Ladapa running. Honestly. You watch the highlights from the Rochdale game. It was just embarrassing how bad the defending was on both sides. It was 
just rubbish. But we we put Rochdale away. Ladapo's best game of the season, I'd say, as well as finishing was fantastic in that game. Um, we put Rochdale away. We obviously held Luton with some good tactics. We deserved the draw just about. We deserved the win just about from Shrewsbury. Otherwise, the draw would have been fair. They were crap. Um, I think they're probably going down. To be honest, they were rubbish. <laughs> like I mean, we we weren't special, but we deserved to win because they were just dreadful. Um, but it, uh, I just can't really put my finger on. I think we're unbeaten. We are unbeaten at home this in 2019. I mean, we just looked good, so I wouldn't predict the loss. Just based on that, we've been good enough in defence, and with the crowd behind them, seem to get a bit further forward. We push on more and. You know, just about managed to force over the line, really. So that yeah, like I'll, I'll put, towards an Argyle win. Yeah, I mean, oh, I keep predicting us to not win, and we go on to win. We play poor and just manage to score. I, yeah. Okay, what, what are you thinking? I'm. Uh, I think we'll score. I think Johnson Clark Harris um, has been. He's on flames at the minute. He's playing so well. Um, I think we'll get one. I think, I think a one all. That's what I'm leaning towards at the minute. I think if anyone is going to win it, it's going to be by the odd goal. I don't think it's going to be a, a thriller. Mm, you say that we'll get a fifth minute red card and a five minute win now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, um, talking about the atmosphere because last year, obviously, um, we spoke about it earlier. It was a bit, a little bit spicy. Um, I was like, I, a lot of people. A lot of Ravers fans don't kind of really see Argyle as a as a proper derby, just because geographically it's not that yeah. close. I think yeah. because there's so few teams in the southwest, I definitely find it a derby. And um, I used to, I went to uh, Uni in Plymouth, so I've been down to Argyle to watch them quite a few times, and I I, I always like going back. And I always think the atmosphere is really good, and I think the Argyle fans mm. are some of the best in the league. And as I leave about gas heads kind of thing. Um, and Derek Adams was um, kind of given given uh, the Rovers fan <laughs> the, the wave, wave. yeah. Which I mean, in fairness, in the home game we started singing at him. Uh, you're getting sacked in the morning because that was when you were uh, kind of rooted to the yeah. table. So you know, it's it's fair enough. That, that, think... was, that was the other red card. Gary Miller, two fifteen. I can't remember who it was getting himself off a one one two one. Sorry, just popped back into play there. I'm having flashbacks of the red cards last season. <laughs> Sorry, um, go on. No, um, yeah, how do you how? What do you think the atmosphere is going to be like come three o'clock on Saturday? Well, I mean, I know that it's okay in the three and just over a half years since we've had Adams. I think almost every set of fans think there's something personal between him and them, and it couldn't be further from the truth. He's just a massive, massive wind-up merchant, and he's like some of the. Um, the, well, the highlight, the, the one that stands above them all, really, for me, is um, we beat Manchester played pretty poor, threw everyone behind the ball, scored from two set pieces, um, which was that was an Adams mark that season. How we went up with that team, we just, oh, I don't know how we went with that team. He pulled some magic out of us out there. But afterwards, Steve Evans claims that 
Adams went up to him and said he was the best manager outside the Premier League. <laughs> that that really annoyed Adams, apparently. Um, I see you've got a very amused look on your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's an odd thing it, to it, I, I can't remember all off the top of my head, but some of the stuff he said and done, he just, I, you know, I, yeah. I mean, some in some ways he doesn't endear himself to the fans because when he says some of this stuff, it just sort of, in, in the worst times, we'll just point to it and say that you know what what are you doing? Like, earlier in the season, a lot of people you know had a similar thing. Like when you want to pile on, there's plenty of ammunition to throw at him. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's just that's just. Adams's way, I, I wouldn't think that's anything personal that he holds against Brewers. That's just Adams being Adams, really. Um, just pure shit houseery. Yeah, basically, um, or at least it seems that way. And he's got he's got previous from up in Scotland as well. So, <laughs> um, and for, yeah, I think he's got a fair bit of previous up in Scotland too. Um, I actually, what was the initial question you asked? I've totally got off topic. Um, no, that was. Uh... What did I ask? Uh, what do you think the atmosphere will be like? Oh, atmosphere! I assume the atmosphere will be good. Rovers always bring. They usually fill out the away, um, yeah, the away attendance. I mean, given you're on form as well, it's like you will again. So we should have good full stadium. That's always good. Um, it's it's always nice to see home park for. Uh, you know, I, I like it. With so Oxford, always seem to be come to Argyle around the holidays at home park. So they usually fill it out mostly. You know. I'll say peace, but then Portsmouth. You know, I always like it when there's proper away attendance, and it always makes for a good atmosphere. That always adds to the game. It's, there's no point in just being quiet. That's why I didn't really enjoy it as much when Rochdale came down, partly because, partly because it was a defensive nightmare, honestly, from both sides. Also, partly because even when they scored, you could barely hear them. It's, it's so much more fun when there's a lively away end, except when they're winning. So I just didn't waste my um, out of the teams uh, that are down there, are there, any, are there any in there that you really do hope go down? Any ones, any clubs down there that you hate? Um, I, I don't know. There's any? Oh no, no, I, I lie. Wickham, bye bye, Wickham. Just get rid of them now. Sorry, if yeah, I, 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 I have see them go down as well. Because <laughs> yeah. they're in 14th, so I don't see them as part of the you know the rel- the fight. I mean. He's only two points off it. No, Wickham can go. Wickham can go as soon as possible, please. I think worse than going to crappy little Adams Park just to watch them. I wouldn't say grind out a one to win because they should have won by about three goals and nil. But watch Argyle not play well. I've got uh, got nightmares of Wickham. There's probably a Wickham fan listening at some point, you know, laughing, laughing at the idea that I have nightmares of them. They're just yeah, they- a terrible, terrible team to play. Yeah, Ainsworth's got that style to a T, and it's so frustrating. I yeah. mean, if there's one thing I loved, it was we we were losing one Nilton back on must have been Boxing Day or something like that around 2016 17 season. Turned it around to be losing through one absolute madness. Went on to draw three three, really annoying. Always flipping with uh, with. <laughs> yeah, when they came oh. to um to the mem. Uh, it wasn't all that long ago, actually. Um, they were just time wasting from the first minute. It was horrendous. They got a one 0 win, which they might have deserved. They probably didn't. Um, but yeah, it was just horrible to watch. And I agree with you. I hope they go down. And I think I speak for all gases everywhere when I say I hope they get down. 
Um, I think yeah. that's pretty much all we've got time for uh, this time around. So um, all it leaves me to say is thank you, Nick, for your time. Um, Thanks, for Neil. Who are interested in Argyle Life, where can they find you? Like Twitter, Acast, all the usual places, I guess. Yeah, I mean, just if you would, our website's very simple, argyle.life. It's literally as simple as that. But I mean, yeah, we're on Twitter, on Facebook. You can follow us. We've got our own podcast as well. If you're interested in hearing five people, five to three people sit there, moan and complain about things, even when they're going well. So basically what I do is like, it's my way on the highway, essentially. I One person said one time, it's really a you know, win-win for you. Argyle win and you're happy, or they lose and you get to moan and you're happy. <laughs> Which sums it up for quite nicely, really. But yeah. Yeah, bit of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Uh, thanks so much for having me on anyway. Uh, pleasure. Um, and thanks, Gasses, for listening. Um, if you enjoyed this, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Um, obviously, we're all up to date at GasCastHQ on the, on the Twitter and the Facebook. You can tell by the way I've said the Twitter and the Facebook that I am over 30. So that's, that's a, an age marker there. Um, so yeah thank you very much and up the gas we hope you're enjoying Gascast this season um, we've put a lot of efforts into improving both the quality and the quantity of the pod in general um, if you do enjoy listening we'd be really grateful if you could nominate us for the football blogging awards um, they're an annual awards uh, to all content across all platforms uh, for both podcasts blogs um, basically the sort of stuff that we've been trying to do um, and we're, we're going to try and get ourselves a nomination in the podcasting category. Uh, and if you could help us do that, we'd be really grateful. All you have to do is go to www.footballbloggingawards.co.uk. We put a link in our bio on Twitter. Um, follow the link and type in GasCast into the category for Best Podcast. Uh, you don't need to enter in, into any of the other fields uh, if you don't want to. Um, and you don't need to enter an email or any personal information so you won't get any spam from uh, any third parties. Um, and we'd be really grateful. Thanks, guys. Gascast, a Bristol Rovers fans podcast.